Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. It's always a pleasure to be in Michigan. We don't know how nice we have it here in this state. We still have a house in Nuevo. But uh, just the fresh air in the morning. Yeah. I had ice on my windows this morning. Okay. Uh, less than two years ago, it iced down there in South Texas. No one knew how, what to do. No one knew what to do. And so uh, in the hill country where we're at, it's just like this, up and down and up and down. And all these semis are spinning out. And so I forget how many miles, about seven miles of cars, a parking lot. And um, anyway, they didn't know what to do. So I drove off and drove through the snow and the ice on the side, like a Michigander would do. <laughs> Went up, you know, came back. But it's good to be here. Amen. Amen. So uh, I've got a lot of introductions um, uh, to start what I want to do. And I think I'm going to start with this one. Uh, my wife and I have been married since 1972. Go ahead and count. Yeah. So uh, we've been married a long time. But when we were first married, uh, my wife comes from an interesting background. Uh, nobody in her family were, were saved. Nobody in my family was saved. All right. I got dropped off at the Methodist church religiously by my folks, hoping something would help. And uh, she never went to church. And so in 1970, we both... Uh, uh, received the Lord in different places, and we weren't dating or anything like that. And uh, once we got married, now her dad, a very tall German, about 6'3", he did not want me dating his daughter. I know that's, that's not the first time you ever heard that, is that right? And uh, he liked me fine. I worked for him. He liked me fine until I got saved. Instantly, he was mad at me. It's amazing. So she came out of that background, all right? A lot of verbal abuse. So uh, when we got married, my wife told me, we're not going to have fights. We're not going to have arguments. We're going to have discussions. Man, have we had some interesting discussions. <laughs> okay? So in one of these discussions, um, I, uh, she said something. I took it wrong. Has that ever happened in your house? No, not at all. Not at all? <laughs> Pray for me then. <laughs> I've been married 51 years. I know less about marriage now. Okay. But anyway, uh, we were having a discussion, a really good discussion. I was right, and she was wrong. Have you been in one of those? Don't look at her now. And so I knew I was right. I knew I was right, and she's in tears, and I'm right. Okay? And finally, we're both spirit-filled Christians at that time. She looked around at me, and she goes, who told you that? 
And I knew she had me. Because, because I couldn't say God revealed that to me because he's not an accuser of the sistren or brethren. All right? I couldn't say God revealed it to me. I wasn't going to admit that the devil was talking to me. And I couldn't say, well, I revealed it to myself. That's one thing about revelation. You, you, that's, that's outside the rules. You can't just reveal something to yourself. I think a lot of our, some of the church teaching now is somebody revealed something to themselves. And so I had to apologize because I was reading in between the lines. Okay? That's not what she meant. I just took it the wrong way. I was reading my Bible shortly after that, and I'm in the book of Genesis, and Adam and Eve had sinned. You remember that? Let's not blame the women right now. Okay? Even though they had the apple and Adam got the core. Okay? And God came walking in the middle of the day in the garden and uh, calls out for Adam. Adam finally springs out because God's saying, where are you, Adam? See, Adam didn't know what had happened to him. He'd already had spiritual death imparted to his spirit at that time. Before that, he was perfect in every way. And God said, uh, you know, call him his name. He springs out. And in that discourse, he goes, Adam says, I hid myself because I was naked, or in Oklahoma, it's naked. Okay? So what did God ask him? Who told you that you were naked? I'm going to give you, a, this is a nugget to begin with, okay? Without the barbecue sauce. Okay? I made everybody hungry. I started meditating on this. Now, this is many, many years ago. And as I was meditating on this, the, the Lord began to deal with me in my spirit and this is kind of what I heard. If you can determine the source of the information coming your way, you can always walk in victory. So it's not just what's said to you. It's who is saying it. Don't think this is too simple because it's... When we're supposed to hold every thought captive, how do you do that? You have to take that thought and you have to judge that thought saying, who's talking to me? Where did I get my information? Was it the Word of God or was it some feeling? Was it some emotion? Was somebody else saying something that I heard throughout my younger years? Okay. When high school teachers would say, why, why can't you be more like your brother? What do you mean? I was straight C's. I had to, to play sports. Yeah. Had to. My brother was straight A's. He's now a retired medical doctor. All right? And so, uh, you know, you hear things. But you have to determine who's really talking to you. So I'm going to, rather than wait to the end to do this, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to ask you some questions. And then I want you to determine 
Who is talking to you about that subject? Who told you that you're never going to amount to anything? Was that God? Who told you that you'll not have enough money to pay your bills? Where'd you get that information? Who told you that people don't like you? How come it's so quiet in here? Yeah. Who, who told you that God's mad at you? Who told you that he doesn't hear your prayers? Now, if I was to cuss right now, do you think God would hear me? Come on. If I was to cuss, you didn't respond. If I were to cuss, you think God would hear that? How many, how many are pretty sure God would hear me if I cuss? I'm not going to. I'm a golfer, and I don't cuss. That's miraculous. Yeah. Okay. But if I were to cuss, how many think that God would know that I cuss? Yes. How come we have more faith in God hearing us cussing than God hearing our prayers? See, we have to sort these things out. Who said you're not going to amount to anything? I already asked you that. Who's told you that? Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at faces, sons and daughters of God. In Christ. Under the New Covenant, there's four areas of uh, teaching that we can do. One is about the Holy Spirit. Under the New Covenant, there's four things that are just a little different. Okay? And I'll give you those real quick for study. I'm a teacher. I'm not an evangelist. Okay? I'm a teacher. Four areas. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would rest on people. New Testament, He lives within. So it's a little different. God hasn't changed. Okay? And all the time we're looking to heaven wondering what's going on. He's on the inside of us. And that's an area I want to teach on today. But there's three other areas, if I can remember. Okay? There's a revelation under the New Covenant of who we are in Christ, or it's called the union of God and man. Everyone say union. union. To be united, what's the opposite? To be separated or divided. Okay? You are in union with God. Okay? God sees you seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. That's another area of teaching. Okay? Under the Old Covenant, you had God revealed all these names, Jehovah Jireh, okay, for instance. Okay, under the New Covenant, we have a new name, a greater than all those names. That's the name of Jesus. And which, which, what he gave, if I had time, I'd do that one, is that legally, according to the scriptures and according to law, Jesus gave us the power of attorney to use his name. It's legal. Yeah. Yeah. So you find these areas of revelation from John chapter 13 on through the end of John. 
Are you waiting for the fourth one? We have a right to use the name of Jesus. Okay? Backwards, the union of God and man. Before that was the Holy Spirit. And what's new under the covenant, under the old covenant, they were commanded to love God and to love thy neighbor as thyself. Everyone say, as thyself. That's self-love. What if you don't love people? Under the old covenant, under the old covenant, it's based on our own love for ourselves. Under the new covenant, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And that's the agape love. So under the new covenant, we have a right to love the same way God does, with the same force. Amen. When it says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, it's talking about the love commandment there. Hallelujah. So these are areas of study as you're growing up. See, I meet people all the time. I try to tell everybody about Jesus. I do. I do. I, just, I get opportunities. God gives them to me almost every single day. And sometimes I'll just go out and just randomly. And my kids, growing up, they said, Dad, could you stay in the car while we go grocery shopping? <laughs> I said, why? Because you talk to everybody. <laughs> well, at my age, and, but I've been this way since 1970, I'm concerned about where people are going to spend eternity. Mm-hmm. You talk about the one that you love the most. Yeah. Uh, Steve, that tall guy in, in Meyer, he led me to the Lord. He was all-state basketball. Uh, play, we played at Nuego together. And um, I remember when he fell in love with the young lady who is now his wife for 50-some years. And I remember that this, uh, Steve could have been one of the top milers in the, uh, the state. Everything, he could do anything well. I mean, he was just gifted. Uh, second smartest in our class, came from a pretty well-to-do family. Uh, he had it made full ride scholarships to play basketball if he wanted to. Um, full ride to uh, Western if he wanted it. And some other place wanted him. Uh, he was just a gifted athlete until he fell in love. And he couldn't walk through a store without taking his eyes off of Jackie. He's running into things. He became almost clumsy because his focus has changed. Yeah. My focus is on Jesus. Okay. Now, everyone, have you heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit after being saved? Have you heard about that? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where's my helper? He's over here. Now, that was a long introduction. How long do you go? How long before they boot you out? You got about 45 minutes. All right. <laughs> we should probably do the altar call right now. Yeah. So the church services that I attend down there, we're in a public school too. And so we're kind of, we come in, set up. We're like the children of Israel, moving tents and everything else. We're, you know, without, without the pillar 
Okay. Now watch this. Paul is speaking here, but you know, really, who the author of this book and every other New Testament book and every other book in the Bible is the Holy Ghost. And he found somebody to write this down. So this isn't Paul's opinion. This is God talking to you and I. Okay? This is why I win arguments all the time. I quote God. Okay? Oh, have I got opinions. Okay? I have opinions. My sister was the kind. Still is. You never have to worry about what she's thinking because she just told you. I have a daughter like that. Okay? She was, we saw this same thing with her. She's two years old. She has an attitude in her walk, in her talk. She hasn't changed one bit. She gets around me. She starts to organize me. Dad, what have you been eating? Dad, what are you drinking? What are you... That's the way she is. She's got that attitude. Okay? Now concerning spiritual gifts. Is that right? You see that? The word gifts wasn't there in the original language. It says now concerning spiritual, spirituals, okay? But these are gifts. Brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Ignorant. So, how many gifts of the Spirit are there? I'm going to challenge you. I'm not trying to beat anybody down. Gifts of the Spirit. This list right here, okay? Nine, nine, okay? Everyone say nine. nine. He says, don't be ignorant. Who's telling me not to be ignorant? Oh, Holy Spirit. I've got a purpose to teach like this, and I'm going to come back and, and show you how important this is for your own personal life, okay? And it should help the church, okay? I, I, don't be ignorant. How many know there's different kinds of ignorance? Some people just don't know. Some people have never been taught. Another kind of ignorance is you've been taught and you don't go along with what the Holy Ghost wants to do. That's a worse one. A worser one. I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols. Everyone say dumb. dumb. Even as you were led. When I see dumb idols up there, and this is the King James, I, I like to teach along that lines, because yeah, my concordance works off that. Okay, and uh, dumb idols. What do you think that means? Do you, do you think that means dumb and dumber? It means non-speaking idols. See, the Gentile church way back there, they weren't raised up under the law, okay? So they had to be trained from zero. If you look at the people, society, like in Ephesia, uh, at Ephesus and uh, Galatia, and if you look at what these people were involved with before they got saved, you go, oh my goodness, I don't want to pastor there, okay? Um, Dumb idols. In other words, we have a God that talks to us and talks through us. Okay? <clears throat> Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the, Holy, uh, by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. That makes sense. Is that right? 
and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. So Jesus is Lord. We just sang that in the last song. Jesus is Lord. Lord means boss. Lord. Jesus is Lord. All right? But by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. Now can we switch to the next slide? And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Now those last three verses tells us a lot. I can't get into all of it. Okay? But it's giving us the purpose for the gifts of the Spirit in our personal lives, but also when we assemble. Okay? Notice it mentions the same Lord, the same Spirit, and the same God. Let's say that out loud. The same Lord, the same Spirit, and the same God. That, my friends, is the Trinity. Which means they are in total agreement with what is being written right there. It is the will of God that the gifts of the Spirit be manifest in our churches. But also, outside when we're witnessing to people. And I'll tell you right now, I've seen more happen outside of meetings than I have in. I've seen blind eyes open up, and there's only two people in the room. Okay? I've seen remarkable things. Remarkable things. And I can't say, well, it's me. No, it's not me. It's the Spirit of God working through. All right? He gets all the credit for the good things. I take responsibility for where I missed it. Okay? So, I wanted you to see that there's a unity in the Godhead about these gifts. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. These gifts are not just for me. Everyone say me. Say it like this. Me, 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 me. Yeah. Somebody's in the choir over here. Okay? And I'll give you a quick little nugget here. One of the gifts is the gift of prophecy. Okay? It's a supernatural utterance given forth to edify, exhort, and to comfort. That's simple prophecy right there. Edify, exhort, comfort. One gift. But the church has changed that into craving, I want personal prophecy. I don't want the one that's going to edify the whole church. Selfishness is something that you need to nail to a cross or something early on in your life. It's a great time, great time in your life when you find out everything is not all about me. Me, 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 me. We are here for a purpose. If we're, I was teaching on the fruit of the Spirit, which are nine, okay? If I teach on the fruit of the Spirit, did you know around here, West Michigan, you should know this, apple trees don't eat their own apples. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is not the word patience. The word patience is different in the New Testament. Patience means a cheerful endurance. 
Long-suffering means to have a long temper towards people. So those things are for people around us. Amen? Yeah. But the high priest in the Old Covenant had around the hem of his garment, down the, of his robe, he had nine bells and nine fruit, every other one. And we are priests today unto our God. So the gifts and the fruit should be there for everyone else. Do you see that? Okay. You're getting seven messages today. Yeah. That's all right. It's to profit everybody. If I knew that the Holy Spirit has something that's going to profit everyone around me, why would I ignore what the Spirit of God wants to do in my life? Why would I ignore that? Here's two ways to develop it. I'm going to give you the short thing. You need to be praying in the Spirit every day. You need to be studying the Word every single day. You say, well, I'm not in ministry. Yes, you are. People might not read their Bibles out there in our society, but they read their Christians every day. We're on display. Okay? Amen. So then they list the nine gifts, all right? Um, You should know that. If we're not going to be ignorant, you should know all nine of these gifts. You should find examples of them in Scripture. Yeah. Because if we don't know what the Word says, we could be deceived. Like in personal prophecy, I've had, I've had people prophesy over me. I don't know how many. I don't want to lie. I don't want to exaggerate. But it's got to be hundreds. It's amazing. I'm not seeking personal prophecy. I believe in being led by the Spirit. Five times. Since 1970, five times that somebody gave me a word, it turned out to be correct. Everything else was flesh. When I was pastoring, we had people trying to prophesy me out of being a pastor. People say, well, you're a prophet, you're an apostle, you're an evangelist, you're a whatever. Found out people are just trying to manipulate me through certain words. Okay? If you want to find out what God's saying to you, Read the Bible. That's him talking to you every day. Okay? But the more you pray in the Spirit, the more you will be spiritually in tune with the Holy Ghost on the inside. All right? Now you've got the nine gifts. (laughs) All right? Verse 8. For the one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. That doesn't mean all wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. That doesn't mean all knowledge. To another faith by the same Spirit, that is a supernatural uh, gift where God gives you a supernatural faith to receive a miracle. It's very passive. I've seen that happen. Uh, my, uh, one of my nephews is in the Air Force. He's a loadmaster. Okay? He's treated like he's a pilot. Because he can't, they can't get off the ground unless the loadmaster says everything's balanced. He sent me photos every once in a while, videos. He says, Uncle Dave, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. 
and you look down and all you can see are snowy mountains and that. And then all of a sudden the back of that big transport plane, the door opens and a jeep went out and all these pallets full of things flying down by parachute and that plane goes just like this when all that weight leaves it. But when he was nine or ten years old, they discovered he had a brain tumor. Did I ever share this with you? He had a brain tumor about uh, the size of a golf ball, but it was egg-shaped in his brain. Uh, inoperable, cancerous. Nine, I think he was nine years old. They said it's just going to be months before that thing takes him out. My sister let me know. I prayed, agreed together, and uh, short story, that thing was in his brain. He was going regularly to the University of Michigan Hospital, okay, down in Ann Arbor. That's where they figured out what it was. Almost exactly a year later, when they were doing all this, it was gone. But he was still left with a hole in his brain, which another year, by another year, it had regenerated and grown back. You know what he always wanted to do? He wanted to be Air Force. You can't get into the Air Force if you've had cancer. So he had to go through all this training. They have his medical record here. They have all the x-rays. Before and after. You know what the, the doctors told my, my sister and her husband? They said, we don't know what's happened to it, but it, it might be in his body traveling. Talk about the curse. Hey, how's that tumor going? It's moved. It's in my elbow. Next time you go in, it's in your ankle. Then it's hanging off your ear. Can you imagine how weird that is? Yeah. They finally told him, it appears you never had it. Come on. Air Force looked through it. They accepted him into the Air Force. Now he is an instructor based in Alaska right now, but he's an instructor and travels around and teaches the very thing that he was trained for in the Air Force. Okay? That's pretty cool, isn't it? When I told my sister that I was reading, uh, my sister, I was reading the scripture, and I saw that Abraham had the right to intercede for his nephew because of the old covenant. I read that, and I go, I said out loud. I was in my office. I know exactly where it was. I said, Lord, we have a better covenant established around better promises. If Abraham had a right to intercede for his nephew, we have a right to intercede. And I did. The pain left. They're from Manistee up here. Okay? Anybody remember when Manistee was losing all those football games for years and years and years? Then suddenly they won a game. And it was on, it was on ESPN that Manistee had finally won a game. My nephew was the quarterback. They said, you're not, they told him, well, you're, you're, he's nine, ten years old. It's going to stunt his growth. It's going to stunt how smart he is. We don't know. Well, he's six foot three. Can you imagine how tall he would have been? <laughs> if that thing hadn't 
stunted his growth. He's smart as a whip. All right? We have a better covenant. Is that right? But when I called my sister and I said, this is what I found in Scripture. This is what I'm praying. Well, they hadn't been going to church. She grabbed a hold of that. She grabbed a hold of that in a, with a faith I, I don't know if I've ever seen. I'd call her up every once in a while. I said, calling up to encourage me? And she'd go, you do not have to call me. You do not have to encourage me. I've got the promise of God. He will live and he will not die. And I'm going, I want to apologize for calling. <laughs> My wife went and uh, was able to talk to Brother Hagen about it. He goes, yep, that's that gift. Okay. Very passive. But it causes miracles to happen. Don't we need that in the church? To faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings. That's plural, actually, by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. That's not when you get underwater. Okay. Uh, sometimes it sounds like that. And to another, the interpretation. It doesn't say translation. It's your interpretation. But all these work up that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now, these gifts only work as the spirit of God wants them to. You can't say, well, this meeting is boring. I think I'll just do something. Yeah, these are by the Spirit of God. Yeah. That's why you have a pastor to, to lead and shepherd the flock. And if something's weird, he's here. I said he's here. They're here to protect the flock. Okay. You getting anything out of this yet? Because yeah. Yeah. There's uh, there's, in the nine gifts, there's three sets of three. One does something. One, uh, three uh, does something, three says something, and three reveals something. Okay? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, have to deal with past and present. Word of wisdom deals with future. Okay? Discerning of spirits. It's actually when somebody sees into the spirit realm. And there's a revelation. It covers every area of the spirit realm, those three areas. Why would we not need those today? So when we came into these things back in 1970, it was common in the church. Now everybody's watching the clock. I've been to Africa, I don't know how many times, 12 times? Maybe more than that. Hmm? There is no clock. If you don't go three hours, they're disappointed. They'll sit on a bench or stand up or sit down for three hours and wonder why you got tired. It's, it's amazing. Okay? So anyway, these work, nine work by the Spirit, and yet Paul talks about another one. He says, he talks about, I will pray in the Spirit. I'll pray with the understanding also. Notice that that, that type of praying in tongues is as I will It's your personal prayer language. Yep. It's dependent on your will. Say my will. It's dependent on your will. And if I was teaching on just speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit, do you realize how much Scripture there is in the New Testament about that subject? 
Yeah. And who wrote the New Testament? Why? Because he wants to move you up to a different level of spirituality. Thank God we have the teaching of the Word. But we also need the Spirit at the same time. Mm -hmm. So in... Right around, right now, I've got all these examples of uh, Scripture where stories, things were told, teachings were made by the Lord Himself and others about staying in the Word, but also staying in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say stop doing the works of the flesh and then you will automatically be in the Spirit. With teaching teenagers, you don't give them the thousand things they're not allowed to do. <laughs> Garden of Eden taught us that. Yeah. But if we teach young people how to walk in the Spirit, they won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yeah. They'll have a relationship with the Holy Ghost themselves. Yeah. I'm teaching you something that I've heard all my Christian life. And it's time to get back to it. It's time to get back to it. All right? James chapter 3. Don't you appreciate people that do helps in this? Amen. Even though you're sitting under a British flag. Yeah. Yeah, of all places. You had the cross there. You had an elephant, a mastodon back there. Did they put you under this rule? That's why I'm teaching the King James. You'll pay, you'll pay your tax later. Yeah. James chapter 3. I'm going to give you something else that involves the Holy Ghost. James chapter uh, 3 verse 1. My brethren, who's he talking to? Talking to me, Dave Beebe. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. I could stop there and teach. <laughs> how many have learned how to offend people? Yeah, people are offended sometimes by what you wear. Maybe I shouldn't tell you this, but when I got born again, I had hair down to the middle of my back. Yeah, and you're sitting there smiling going, huh? And I'm going to tell you, your parents, or maybe your grandparents, were the same thing. We had a bit of rebellion in us. I don't mind long hair, I don't care. See, I don't look at people as to whether they got tattoos or not. I don't look at people about how they look. God loves everybody equally the same. Okay? Everyone. This gospel is for everyone. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, word, the same as a perfect man, that means mature, and able to bridle the whole body. Everyone say body. Do we have anybody here that has horses or works with horses or have? How many have seen a horse? <laughs> How many have almost been run over by a horse? Oh, I know. I thought they were all demon-possessed when I was young. 
I'll never forget the time we were sitting there talking with the guy that led me to the Lord. His mom was there, and they had one horse. And she had, I think, fed the horse or something, so she came out of the thing. And then she's standing by the gate like this. And Steve is over standing next to his mom. His mom was five foot tall. He was six foot three. It was quite funny. Okay? And that horse went over that fence and bit her shoulder. Then this little tiny lady, she turned around. Well, she's in heaven now, but I'm just saying. It was a double fist. And she put that horse right where it needed to be, away from her. Okay? But this tells us, behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and turn uh, about their whole body. Behold, also ships. Everyone say ships. Well, that's an example. Did you know back in those days a ship would be the largest mode of transportation they had? No buses. Think about it. Okay? Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever. I love the King James. Whithersoever. Go ahead and say that. So you can speak King James. The governor listeth. All right, next. Even so the tongue, the tongue is, uh, even so the tongue is a little member of most of great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. For the tongue is fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. Do you see how that thing's going? Mm. And this is an epistle to Christians. For every kind of beast, of birds, of serpents, of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. Yet, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. He's talking to Christians here. Yeah. So whoever controls this, did you know it told us if you control this, it can turn a horse around. It can turn your body around. It can turn your ship around. It can turn your life around. One of the greatest areas of teaching in the New Testament is Jesus is the high priest of what we say. The high priest of what we say. You say, how, how can you tie these things together? You ready for this? In the area of the gifts of the Spirit, it, the gifts of the Spirit always point to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It doesn't point to how cool we are. Because you can move in the gifts of the Spirit and still be carnal. The Corinthian church was that way. They learned how to yield at times. Other times they were probably going to the temple that they should not be near. All right? But this is telling us that nobody can tame your tongue. I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Ghost can tame your tongue. Yeah. 
as a believer, there's two areas of teaching that I struggled with early. Okay? One was speaking in tongues, and the other one was the confession or the agreement with God's word, speaking down. Two areas. I'm here to tell you today is that if you're born again, Jesus is your Savior. But if you yield your tongue to the Holy Ghost, whether it's in the gifts of the Spirit or just everyday conversation, the Holy Spirit can turn that around. Everyone say Lordship. You can be born again in the family of God and hallelujah. We worship together, have fellowship together, have communion together. But whoever controls this in your life is your Lord. Yeah, but I don't like speaking in tongues. Then it's a lordship issue with you. I don't like that confession of the word. It's a lordship issue. None of us are perfect. Okay. How many know that there's bad drivers around? (laughs) So I go down to Texas and they're worse. (laughs) And it dawned on me, all those Michiganders have moved down here. (laughs) I would tease the students at at Rama. I said... uh, I said, I stopped somebody the other day. I saw somebody get pulled over. And, um, and then all of a sudden, people crowded around, crowded around. And they were curious as to what that blinking light was on their car. It was a turn signal. <laughs> you can use them. It's an indicator. <laughs> but so is our mouth. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want those gifts. That, you know what? What happened? When it talks about tongues, back in First Corinthians, there, if you go to the next couple of chapters, if you talk about tongues, tongues are a sign to the unbeliever, yeah. but we take it as an embarrassment. Yeah. What will people think? Well, I don't want to offend anybody. People will be in hell five seconds before they're offended. You getting anything yet? Who told you tongues are not for today? Who told you? Well, go ahead and talk any way you want to. I'm here to tell you there's no such thing as Christian cussing. Peter denied Jesus twice. And before he denied him the third time, he started cussing. Right at that time, he denied him the third time. And then they left him alone because he cursed. Blessing is speaking something good about. Cursing is speaking something evil about. Yeah, but I want to give my opinion. Leave people alone. By love, give them the gospel, share with them, pray with them. 
people don't need my opinion. Okay? They don't need my opinion. They need what the Word of God says. You catch that? So the, uh, the word confession, he's the high priest of our confession, it means to agree with, it means to speak from a deep assurance of fact. These are shades of meaning to that word. And it also means to celebrate by reason of praise. Jesus is the high priest of what we say. Okay? Do you know that communion, communion is a declaration that we are in a covenant with God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Water baptism is the declaration that we're born again. Tithing. Somebody asked me one time, students, they said, Brother Bibi, what the, why, what's this thing in Revelation about it being quiet for a half hour in heaven? I said, I have no idea what it's talking about. I said, but I'll give you my guess. And everyone leaned in. I said, if it's quiet in heaven for a half hour, that means somebody said the word tithe. But what if I told you that everything that you own in the New Covenant belongs to God? Not just 10%. He owns everything about you. So that makes tithing a confession. And this is a confession that Jesus has already met all of our needs that we're ever going to need. So my tithing is making a declaration that my finances are covered. We spend a lot of time about sowing seed. There's an aspect to giving there. Aspect of being led by the Spirit to do things. Or just wanting to bless somebody. Walking in love. But your 10% is a confession of your faith. That means Satan has no right to any of your finances. Jesus is a high priest of what we say. I'm giving you too much. Okay. No, I'm running out of time. I'm not going to get kicked out of this building with your pastor. <laughs> Let me leave first. All right? Somebody take a picture of us chained, handcuffed, beaten. You know? Are you getting anything out of this? We talk all about Jesus is Lord. You get this little thing in your spirit. Well, just go talk to that person. No, I'm busy. No, I'm on my phone. Why don't you go help that, that, that lady coming out with all those groceries with five kids and she's pregnant for number six. There's a 75-year-old lady walking out and she's got, she's got two big cases of water. How's she going to get that in the car? Who's going to help her? Well, she shouldn't have gone to the store without a helper. Really? Why would you even notice that she's got something hard to do unless it was God trying to show you something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Notice things. Ask questions. Be aware. It's the Spirit of God leading you. He'll lead you just as quick in tithing as He will in any other area. Everybody knows how to be led by the Spirit to go on vacation. Somebody asked me, I wasn't pastoring at this time, but when that COVID thing hit, they, somebody called me and said, you know, uh, 
what do you do? Everybody's staying away from church. You know, you know everyone's separating themselves from that. I said, Dot, come on. I said, it's nothing. I said, uh, I've pastored for 40 years, and people social, did their social distancing on a regular basis in my church. Okay? Hello? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, by the way, when I come to church, I don't come to give. We should come to give. Even if it's a hug, even if it's an, a, a word of encouragement, even if it's a pat on the back, even if it's being kind to somebody that's had the worst week in their life. And you want to tell them to cheer up, and they're going, if you really knew what I was facing at home. We come to church to be a blessing to others. We come to church to, in worship, we're yielding our mouth. Jesus is the high priest of what we say. Amen. Amen. I don't know where to stop. But who told you that you're not going to have enough money to pay your bills? You can tell the devil to quit anytime you want to. Tell him to shut up, just don't listen. Who told you you don't have a purpose in life? Where do you get your information? That's where I usually end this. <sighs> Pastor, who told you that people are staying away in droves? Good. You wouldn't be tempted because you know who's talking about it. They're talking to you. If you can identify the source. Who told you that you're not as pretty as other people? Who told you that you're not as gifted. Who told you? See, when the enemy is talking to you, take that thought captive and start walking in victory. But you can't do that unless you find out what the Word says about you. And that's where you hook up your faith and things will change. I had a speech impediment when I was young. Only two of us in our whole elementary school in Nuego had to have special classes. Do you think any of the students around me kept their mouth quiet about that? Now, one-on-one, -on -one, I could talk to people. But crowds, something about a crowd. Okay? Hello? Yeah. But when I started praying in the Spirit, and when I started reading my Bible out loud, it disappeared. Yeah. Now, I just gave somebody a key. That was for somebody right there. That was for somebody right there. The biggest thing about public speaking is that you have to get used to your own voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Let's stand up just for a moment.